listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming online at KUCI.org. As the only public radio station in Orange County, KUCI has been broadcasting underground music and talk on the University of California Irvine campus since 1969. Remember to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. The URLs are facebook.com slash KUCIFM and twitter.com slash KUCIFM. Happy listening. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. You're listening to Ask a Leader. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, on this edition, the September 4th, 2012. Welcome back. What I hope is a fully engaging and relaxing Labor Day weekend. And many thanks to Heather McCoy for substituting for me last week. Co-hosting with me this morning is KUCI DJ Dagmar Klaus, who does German radio on Sunday afternoons at 2. Today, Kirsten and I will cover permaculture, recovery from substance abuse, and more again about practical environmental solutions on the household and community level. All three enterprises, Suburban Permaculture in Eugene, Oregon, the Effect Ministry in San Juan Capistrano, and the Ecology Center as well in San Juan Capistrano, are all launching programs or events this bright early fall. Stay with us, and uh, there's something useful for every one of us. So we'll be right back after the station break. Thank you for joining us. We're now seeing increasing resourceful means for producing food in places we may never thought possible. This is the permaculture movement taking shape and taking hold. New York City restaurants are cultivating vegetables on site. And last week while I was in Seattle, I learned about a rooftop uh, in the Old World's Fair, now the Seattle Center, where produce is grown. It's above a, a parking garage. The famous Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, along with other municipal uh, undertakings in Atlanta, is leading the way, too, with uh, bringing the heat down in the city uh, with all sorts of sustainable practices. Well, my first guest, Jan Spencer, talks with us today about permaculture as a way of life in which UCI's very own professor of informatics, Deborah Richardson, recently was enrolled in a course there. A little bit of background about my guest, Jan Spencer, is a bit of an environmental Woody Guthrie. That's right, Jan, that's what I was coming up with when I was putting this together. Picking up culture and activism along the way from his New York State beginnings to an upbringing in Texas and much travel around the country and the globe with his suburban home that he purchased in 2000 in Eugene, Oregon. He settled down to transforming his property in what he calls a permaculture Shangri-La. Jan Spencer comes to us today from Eugene on this one of many shows that will take up permaculture. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Jan Spencer. Well, thanks, Claudia. That all sounds uh, great. I appreciate the intro. Glad to have you here. It's good that we're, because we really are enrolled. Every other person I'm talking to now with lining up great content for this show or uh, looking over my shoulder about what I ought to be doing better, I'm hearing more and more the sustainable permaculture uh, verbiage. So in the most succinct way, Jan, would you tell us what permacultural permaculture essentially is and how it is something that everyone can take part in? Sure. Permaculture 
is a global movement. Uh, it was popularized by a couple of uh, gentlemen in Australia uh, several decades ago, but really it's the revisiting of traditional knowledge that, um, that, that people have accumulated all through the ages. It's working with nature. It's, uh, it's holistic in its approaches. It's a system of design principles for taking care of human needs in ways that are friendly to people and planet. And all over the world, you find permaculture uh, increasingly uh, making a, a contribution to many of the problems we have in the world today. There's all kinds of challenges, and those challenges present great opportunities for living more peaceful, for living more within what the planet can sustain. And, and permaculture is a great tool and, and for, Dan, uh, for that work. Jan, I want to also interject to uh, give credit to the whole movement at, that it used to be about permanent agriculture, but it's really more about permanent culture. That's what the hybrid term got to be meaning. That's real true. It's not just about growing broccoli. The principles of living more people and planet-friendly and taking a more holistic view of, of what a design project is, what are the goals, what are the ideals uh, that can apply at multiple levels. Uh, uh, it can be a backyard, it can be a neighborhood, it can be a bioregion. So the principles and ideals of permaculture have broad application. You know, there should be a department of permaculture in uh, the state government, the federal government, and the city government, too. There should be a department of permaculture. A kind of a, or a part of Homeland Security. How about it? Let's go, let's go for broke. Well, uh, yeah. Dagmar. Well, you know, uh, permaculture does provide itself as a way to move towards a type of security yes. and health and well-being. It absolutely fits into that realm. So, and, and Dagmar, my co-host today, is um, raising a question, too, about, all right, so she does, so people don't have necessarily dirt in the backyard, in their apartment, though. Is there some sort of a permaculture from within those walls we live? I'll throw you that curveball well, for just a minute. Yeah, in that particular example, uh, container gardening uh, is something that, that people do all over the world. You, you mentioned the rooftop gardens uh, in Seattle and in an increasing number of locations in the United States and Northern Europe all over. Uh, a rooftop garden is essentially a large container garden. Uh, there's no indigenous soil there. It's all created. So permaculture uh, provides uh, clues. It, it provides guidance and ideals for all kinds of applications, and uh, container gardening is one of those, and uh, I, I've seen many examples of, of highly successful container gardening. So just because a person doesn't have a suburban property uh, doesn't mean permaculture, permaculture can't be useful. Well, actually, I mean, if you're a student, you know, like here at UC Irvine, and, and you live in the dorms, for example, you don't even have you know, a little walkway or anything where you could put a tiny container garden. So how would students like that or people like that in apartment complexes or something that they don't, you know, own or that there's there's a lot of yeah, re that's a, regulation? Yeah, that's a good what, question. What else and, can they uh, do? Certainly different apartment complexes have different characteristics. Some may have some open space where people could actually do that, uh, and some maybe don't. Um, I know in Eugene there are uh, the city has community gardens and people who don't have a space at home can uh, make use of a garden plot on city property. I also know that at the University of Oregon and I know many other campuses around the country, uh, they are also taking up more uh, gardening uh, part of curriculum. Uh, and, and providing places where students can have garden plots, whether it's part of a class or 
this would be a great cause for students to come together and say, hey, we'd like to have a place to grow food. Right, identifying. And I think that more and more universities are becoming receptive identifying, to these kinds of ideas. Identifying underused uh, plots that are near the gar- near the dorm, near the apartment building. We, I know that uh, Deborah Richardson and I were talking yesterday about whether there is a, a particular un productive open space belt in a part of our University Hills neighborhood that could be, uh, you know, taking up this huge backlog, this huge demand for uh, the community garden plots. So um, with the two to three day waiting list, I think I'll venture to say. So that's a good point. Well, let's get, let's let Jan talk about what's going on specifically with your suburban permaculture in Eugene. I know we're going to take up other segments of the broader, larger picture, but let's zero in on what you're doing with what Eugene's been surveying its constituents about their vision of uh, their taking up, uh, participating more vigorously in this kind of activity. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, the uh, what the city of Eugene's taken up with the Community Climate and Energy Action Plan. Okay. That's great. Let me mention this first. For people who are near a computer, if you do a Google search and search for these words, creating a safer, more secure, and healthier neighborhood, if you do a Google search on that, you will likely find uh, a couple of posters that I made, and they're PDFs, and if you click on that, you can actually see some images we'll be talking about here on the air. Right. The, the, so uh, check that out, creating a safer, more secure, and healthier neighborhood and uh, on a Google search. And uh, you should come up with a couple of posters that have lots of pictures, and that will make uh, our conversation a little bit more meaningful. Very much. So, so okay, back to your question, Claudia. Uh, the city of Eugene uh, is making efforts to acknowledge that we've got some challenges, uh, particularly with, uh, with energy and climate change. And there are city staff who are, uh, have the responsibility to come up with a way the city can address some of these issues to reduce the community's carbon footprint, for example. And recently, There came out in the news uh, a month ago, there was an article in our uh, local newspaper describing the results of uh, this series of uh, telephone interviews and opt-in type of survey and a couple of focus groups. And the city put all this information together along with their their professional uh, assistance uh, in uh, a couple of public relation firms and, and polling services, they put together the results of this information gathering. And actually, I when I saw it, I was quite uh, amazed at what the results were uh, reading the executive summary. What it said to me was that not only are people concerned about climate change and think it's human cause and all of that, but actually expressing concerns about um, oh, one quote in the executive survey that came out of uh, uh, one part of the, the questioning was that, uh, that buying and consuming is out of control, you know, as a, uh, a cultural icon, you know, that, that we have is uh, the American dream is all about buying more stuff, buying bigger stuff. And people, according to this survey, are more beginning to recognize how their own lifestyles, how their own behavior affects the well-being of the planet, of our water, of our climate, of our global security. And I think there's a much greater awareness of, of these kinds of connections than I really would have thought. Right, and to Eugene's credit, with the economic protracted recession that they've experienced since the whole turndown of their large lumber sector there, that uh, this is saying a lot for people who have a broader vision at amidst all the economic deprivation they're dealing with in that area. I just want to give kudos to the citizenry for, uh, you know, putting that initiative in the front of their minds like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
there's uh, I'm I'm actually very much encouraged that there's this level of discussion. Uh, for example, in the uh, the newspaper article, the the city staff person who is uh, responsible for overseeing this process was saying we don't need to start at, at ground zero. Right. You know, there's a mm-hmm. there's a surprising level of consciousness here in Eugene. We don't need to say, well, uh, maybe humans are having an impact on planet Earth. Uh, people know there's an impact. And many people, according to the survey, want to do more to help address the issues. And the city can provide a real service to the community, not by saying we'll take care of it, but providing the resources for people in their neighborhoods and where they live to empower people where they live to create community gardens, to transform their properties, to uh, move forward with block planning, with all kinds of initiatives, uh, our neighborhood associations and other city programs. If there's a, a permaculture-type holistic design for how the city can respond to these issues, then it's not the city that has to do it, but the city has the organizational capacity mm-hmm. and the infrastructure to empower people to do this where they live and in their neighborhoods. And that's what excites me. Exactly. And for those uh, listeners who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming to you live on the the web at KUCI.org. My guest is Jan Spencer, a permaculture activist out of Eugene, creating safer, more secure, greener neighborhoods. And you're doing that, Jan, even envisioning the, the front of your property. That's where it can all start, is you're putting that into productive use. You're bringing community together. People are wondering, how are you cultivating that? What are better techniques to, to get a better yield out of that property in the front of your house? You're having people tending to those gardens who are able to see what's going on in the rest of the neighborhood, to, to be vigilant about something that may not be right of what's happening, to make that neighborhood safer and more interesting, more interactive. So, sure. I'll, uh, I'll just describe a little bit of what's happening here on my property yes. and, uh, and nearby, because there are other people close by who are doing this, too. Yes. I, I wouldn't at all say that this is common. But uh, in the last three or four years in my neighborhood, wow, there's, uh, there's big changes going on. So first, what I've done with my own property, and once again, you can actually see pictures of this. And we know uh, it's... I mentioned the, the Google link right, there. Right, and you're working yeah. with the quarter acre. We know that's not realistic in many places, but that's just a, for people who are puzzling over just how much dirt you have to work with. So on that quarter acre... Showing, showing up on your PDFs, you've got so much going on in lovely phases where we can see that, that yield pick up throughout the season. Sure, yeah, and um, not everybody has this much space. Some people have more. Half of all Americans live in suburbia, and we think of suburbia as being automobile-dominated, of being rather impersonal, uh, of not looking like an ideal location for creating community and taking care of more needs closer to where we live. But when we shift our thinking, we can recognize all around us there are all kinds of tools and assets for helping to make these changes so we do live more planet-friendly. And it's not just growing food. There's social and cultural assets, too. Right. But what I've done here on my property I started this 12 years ago when I bought this mid-50s suburban house northwest of downtown Eugene in the River Road neighborhood. And my intention from the beginning was to make big changes. So all the grass is gone. Uh, It's edible landscaping everywhere. Uh, And it's not just vegetables. Uh, I probably have something like 50 different types of plants that provide services of one sort or another, whether it's food or medicinal. Um, I have passive solar redesign to the house. It's not just food. I have a six and a half thousand gallon rainwater catchment system. Mm -hmm. We haven't had rain for six weeks here. It's dry here in the summertime. Uh, My place has become a 
community and actually a regional resource for education. Uh, uh, Deborah Richardson, your your friend there at Irvine, uh, had a tour of my property. That's how I met her. She was taking a permaculture course, and many times permaculture courses in this area do tours to see what permaculture looks like. And she's trying so, to look at how informatics can be applied yeah. to the the best possible yield of this permaculture. It's really it's really exciting, and I, it, I I'm not jumping ahead of Deborah. I think uh, this is going to advance an idea so that all of you IT people out there who have only one way of looking at what you might be able to contribute that there is any number of ways. And Deborah Deborah is going to give you opportunities. So Deborah, when you're listening right now, we we'll shout out to you. Thanks for all the help. So. Um, you, I'm going to just remind listeners again, this is Jan Spencer we're talking to, a permaculture activist from Eugene, creating safer, more secure, and greener neighborhoods. And you're, you're also repurposing all that stuff that's being abandoned in uh, developments, uh, activities in your neighborhood to put uh, your garden into better use. Well, repurposing is a really, really good word to use here. And repurposing applies... It can apply to our own selves. How can we repurpose ourselves to be a part of creating solutions mm-hmm. to these immense challenges and trends of the world today about uh, energy, about water, about global relations? It's uh, pretty clear that uh, humans are having a massive impact on the planet. It's not just in America, but we tend to use more here. We have a bigger impact. We use a lot more. Repurposing how we live our own lives, repurposing what we can do with a suburban property, repurposing what we can do in our neighborhoods and with our friends. I can't think of a more exciting adventure. And when I say with our friends and our neighborhoods, in my thinking, this is where this has to happen. I personally don't look for either of the presidential candidates to have any meaningful input on on these issues. Um, uh, I look for my friends and my neighbors, people who live next door, people who live nearby. In my neighborhood, we have uh, networks and collaborative projects. For example, this uh, Sunday, we're planning a big uh, garden party where we get together. It's a purposeful garden party where the ideal and the plan and the design is for mixing and mingling. There's going to be kids' area. There's going to be a couple of educational uh, opportunities. People can bring what they produce at home and barter and trade. A lot of fun, you know, and it's a lot of fun right here where we live. We're creating a neighborhood culture where we're more looking after each other and we're having fun and we're, we're using a lot less resources because we're doing this right here where we live uh, three blocks away from right. where I live. So this is participatory and it's empowering and it gets into a realm that's very important to me and that is human potential. What are humans capable of doing? And I got to think that it's social, it's personal, it's cooperative uplift, you know, uplifting our spirits and, and being creative, doing positive, uh, positive things for ourselves and our friends and our neighbors and our planet. Absolutely. Well, Jan, as, a, as we're wrapping up this interview, I'm opening up this larger, but I think it sort of can encapsulate uh, what we're talking about today is th- these current sustainable movements remind me a whole lot of people dealing with less during the Great Depression, how they learned to stretch all their resources, not just the dollar. So aren't we, during the Great Recession, returning to this? And do you see this as more than a cyclical kind of a thing, but uh, given our increased understanding of the imperative of dealing with the global climate change? That's, that could be a, a multi-hour discussion right there. Uh, but it's a, it's a very past, persistent kind of resourceful thing. In the past four decades of the affluent countries of the world, Europe, uh, United States, Japan, economic growth has declined in each decade. Uh, it's pretty safe to say the glory days of 4 or 5 6% growth every year uh, is a thing of the past. China's already experiencing this. 
Um, I think to expect a return to the, the good old days that the baby boomers grow up with uh, is a mistake. And when you consider that the kind of recovery that's talked about, that's desired uh, for uh, a, a more growing economy, that type of economic activity is what's causing so many of these problems in the first place. Uh, uh, you just have to think there are other choices to be made uh, with perhaps a slightly different set of values. Exactly. And it would be great to have a community discussion what are the goals of this entire right. human enterprise. Is yes. it just more stuff, or is it uh, developing our inherent human potentials in a positive exactly. way? Exactly. And I want, as we close this interview, Jan, we um, want uh, listeners to know they can get more information about your undertakings. You always have uh, workshops going on, and you do travel and do uh, give uh, talks, and people... Uh, their municipalities, their institutions can benefit from what you have to bring up, that they can go to suburbanpermaculture.org for that information and see all those PDFs about what you were talking earlier and uh, take it from there. And I'm, I'm, I know my Transition Irvine friends that listen to the show uh, and the other transition movement uh, in the different municipalities in Orange County are recognizing similar themes. We'll have you back again. Jan, will open up with um, some more uh, of the, uh, the aspects of permaculture. Uh, today we're accommodating three, not two guests, so uh, we're going to thank you so much for being on the show. That's uh, Fran Jan Spencer, Eugene Oregon permaculture activist talking the talk, walking it through municipalities and universities around the coast, West Coast and beyond. Thanks for being on the show today, Jan. Thanks, Claudia. It was great to be with you. Okay, take care. We're going to be back in just a little bit to talk to the next guest. Uh, that would be uh, Pastor Dave Briston from the Effect Ministry to talk about some substance abuse awareness that uh, he's uh, some workshops he's going to be launching. We'll be back after this brief station break. Stay with us. Thank you for staying with us on the show. I'm not sure where Pastor Dave went off to, but we I do know for sure that we will get a chance to hear from him at some point. Sometimes my guests uh, have last-minute changes and they call. I can see a call coming in, but I can do nothing about it because it's you are it's all about you listeners and I, I can't be on two mics at one time. So uh, anyway, what we're going to do now is take up with our third guest who is actually our second for this half this hour. And that is, of course, Evan Marks, founder and executive director of the Ecology Center in San Juan Capistrano, which will host its fourth annual Green Feast this Saturday, September 8th. Evan Marks' lifelong career as an environmentalist began when he joined the Surf Rider Foundation back in high school. He continued his advocacy at the University of California, Santa Cruz, where he studied agroecology, the study of sustainable agriculture, with the goal of transforming modern agriculture through integrated organic systems management. His extensive work in California and Hawaii, Costa Rica, Peru, Mexico, Ghana, Nigeria, count those continents, folks, Marks has acquired personal hands-on experience in the fields of ecological design and sustainable architecture, agriculture, excuse me, and there's a little architecture in there. In 2008, Evan Marks founded the Ecology Center, working to transform the facility as the regional hub for sustainability and green living, Marks and the cadre of volunteers of the Ecology Center are recruiting members in hopes of promoting eco-consciousness across San Juan Capistrano and its neighboring communities to take part in molding the future of Orange County. That's a tall order, but it can be done. He comes to us this morning from San Juan Capistrano. Welcome to the show, Evan Marks. Climate change is on us. The signs are everywhere. We've got to cool 
Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. We're going to cool it down and uh, take hold of an opportunity. I know Evan Marks didn't get to hear his introduction, but my listeners did. Evan, we gave you a proper introduction. You'll, you will have recognized much of it, um, uh, I think, that you're accustomed to hearing. So welcome to the show, Ask a Leader, Evan Marks. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, you, it doesn't even have to be an honor. It's our pleasure. So uh, why don't you start with... Um, We've already talked a bit about permaculture uh, from the Eugene, Oregon sort of frame of mind and how people are getting involved in, uh, in that municipality, among other places. Um, that is now that's the same. It's the charter for the Ecology Center, which you founded. Let's talk about how you can get local residents on board and engaged in this important work. Yeah, so permaculture is uh, a foundation of mine as well, and I've taught permaculture design courses all over the world. And... When I had an opportunity to come back to Southern California about four years ago, to, and I founded the Ecology Center in an old farmhouse, I kind of did some thinking, and I, and I designed up a program that I thought would, would maybe ex- create accessibility to some of the concepts around permaculture to an Orange County community. So what that means is that we go a little bit more introductory and hands-on so all of our programming at the center is really about diy or just getting your hands dirty sustainability so that it's accessible and here in orange county not everyone is at the same place in their pathway of uh, of ecological literacy so what we're trying to do is just open the door and open the door with just learning about vegetable gardening or learning about composting or having fun with building a solar oven or, you know, just really engaging people in a community sort of way. Well, that's that's t- that's really a zen and a very pragmatic way to go. Is start where everybody is to get them on board with um, rethinking, repurposing, and uh, and 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 activating here. And it fits it fits great with what we like to do here on this program. So. What are, as you talk about on your uh, website, what are some of the cutting-edge environmental perspectives that you bring to members and other participants? Well, I think to me the most cutting-edge perspective is, the, is what our philosophy is that we believe that everyone can make a difference and make a difference to the health of our community and our environment. And I think what's transformative about our programming, kind of what I just talked about, is that it's not rocket science right it's about a frame of mind and so if we can just start somewhere and we're all at different places but if we just start somewhere then we're moving forward and so if that just if that means just going to a one of our summer speaker series called basic needs and meeting people in the community and getting fired up and learning something or if it actually means coming to one of our backyard skills workshops it's really just about starting somewhere because people do make a difference absolutely and uh, we're talking about uh, the reason we had you on is that we wanted to make sure we uh, were able to announce your upcoming event for Saturday night, September 8th, the Green Feast. It is sold out. You are taking uh, waiting list names, I understand. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, not to turn anybody away. And and, uh, and my co-host, Dagmar Klaus, was talking a bit about uh, some of the uh, – there's some culinary kinds of uh, carbon footprint uh, questions uh, she had in mind and there's there's uh, well let's that they're talking about eating out some choices that you can make sure right so um, sustainability I mean I'm totally for that and I've had you know a lot of locally grown produce or um, I don't know grass-fed beef etc and it's totally awesome it tastes delicious and um, it's environmentally friendly or friendlier, but it also comes at a price. Are there like more budget-friendly options for um, folks to get started with this, or if they wanted to eat out, you know, are there things you can ask at a restaurant, certain keywords that you're looking for, so that people know, you know, what they're eating or where the food's coming from at that establishment? Yeah. So local food doesn't have to cost any more, and a couple simple examples of that are growing your own. So the, whether it's in a container or in a raised box or a whole vegetable garden, that's pennies on the dollar of what you're going to spend for it if you can just take the time and grow your own. So that's an easy solution. The second piece that I think is probably more accessible or equally accessible to everyone is going to a farmer's market. And I don't know if you've done any price comparisons at a farmer's market, but we have, and 
buying good local food definitely costs less at a farmer's market than it does at, at, a, at a premium grocery store. So I think it's, a lot of it is around just taking, um, taking some steps and maybe that there's compromises to be made and um, understanding that what is the most important food to buy locally so understanding that there are consequences beyond just pennies that were really would be the difference in terms of buying local versus not. Right. That was actually a question. I, I, I was wondering if there's certain foods, you know, that you could make a more informed decision of like, for example, you know, should I buy iceberg lettuce or romaine or does it not matter as far as well, how I, the I food would, is the, produced? To me, the rule of thumb is anything you're going to eat fresh, mm-hmm. meaning salad fixings or basically any vegetable in my opinion it needs to come from a healthy clean source and that to me means organic food and it hopefully also means local because those are pure nutrients and if you care about health then which we all do right hopefully um, of our bodies and we also care about where our food comes from because it is interchangeable so that's where i would start and then if it's there's other things that that aren't as local and aren't as potentially organic and and healthy raised then then those are then you start from there but i would definitely start with with all the fresh greens and vegetables and um and those are the things that don't really cost much more at all those are the things that if you're talking margins of numerous pennies then you might as well just do yourself a favor (laughs) you know and 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 dagmar class also brings an interesting point up about pets sustainable pet food and i was wondering about the broader picture sustainable pet keeping mm. what do you talk to to adherents at, at the center about that or have you taken that up yeah that's not really a topic of ours we <laughs> talk about backyard chicken okay. culture and husbandry and yeah so we talk about more domesticated farm animals but we don't talk about um about pets and uh, you know i think that's actually an interesting connection to this local food movement is that people are obsessed with their pets and so they're each everyone's got their right to their own passion but people usually have no problem buying really high quality proteins and foods for their pets and also their children but somehow find easy ways to find, to create excuses for themselves so it's not it's less around the penny i think it's more about the paradigm yeah. and so it's just about understanding that we are as important as our pets <laughs> and as our children so make good decisions. A good point. Well, for those of you that are uh, just joining us, my guest in this portion of the show is Evan Marks, founder and executive director of the Ecology Center at San Juan Capistrano on Ask Leader at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming to you live on the web at KUCI.org. So uh, let's talk about um, our San Juan Capistrano and other nearby cities stepping up with their municipal authority to leverage the good deeds at the center to work toward reducing the carbon footprint and saving the city's budgets, uh, valuable resources. Yeah, so is that a question? That's a question. Are they? (laughs) Are they? Um, Yeah, you know, the city of San Juan is doing a a good job, all led by Ziad Masbudi, who's their uh, environmental engineer on staff, and he's doing incredible work around waste management, around watershed education and cleanliness, um, and really about connecting homeowner residents to some of their footprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and we work with the city on, on different capacities, whether it's teaching composting workshops or rainwater harvesting. But again, the Ecology Center is an education center that really empowers community building and skill sharing. And it's a, it's a very high-impact facility. It's two-acre, very integrated, dynamic garden programming where um, you can come any day of the year, basically, and get something. So there's all sorts of educational exhibits and, and, uh, and experiences that talk about how sustainability and, and really good design can translate back to your home and your life to make healthy communities. Well, I want to, in locating you, uh, also um, acknowledge the kind of uh, symbolism that, that you've taken on here at the 32701 Alipaz uh, street in San Juan. It's the oldest wooden structure built in San Juan Capistrano, built in 1878. It's a clear statement of a strong and a prosperous productive legacy that you're taking up at the center. So how did you purposefully uh, choose that place or did it choose you? 
Uh, more like cho- chose me. And <laughs> I was fortunate enough. I had been working internationally for about five years in uh, ecological design. And, and as your guests have heard the word permaculture today. Right. Um, and I wanted to actually come back to Orange County where I was. Let's do where, it. Where I grew up. And I said, let's create an education center and happened to stumble upon an empty old historic farmhouse on an empty dirt lot um, on a large organic farm. Wow. And met with the farmer and started talking to him and then ended up approaching the city and one thing led to another and and now we've created a thriving education center. Great. Well, I, I haven't yet been, I've done the virtual tour, but I haven't been there. But it, it, the more I read, the more I really need to. Uh, uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey. So we created, again, an empty house and an empty lot into a thriving space uh, for programming over you know, ten to fifteen thousand guests a year that come through here through our educational events and and workshops and and growing. So it feels like uh, momentum and, and a movement is building in Orange County, and and it's uh, a great place to build that momentum. There's a, a supporting community, to say the least. Well, and I want to. Um, I'm always trying to pitch uh, some community service ideas. I know high school students have a requirement uh, if they're on it uh, to meet, and so I and I happen to know folks, that the admissions officers are not interested in your trip to Africa anymore. And that, so I see that, you know, the, the Ecology Center is a great way, uh, mm-hmm. not only to learn, but to, to give and uh, to meet that kind of a, a service requirement. So I, are you seeing very many high school students make their way and they go, oh. Yeah, uh, we yeah. mentor a handful of them. So we, we don't cast the net that wide, but we do like to really work with a group of them, especially through some Boys and Girl Scouts projects mm-hmm. um, and then other just ex- ex- advanced students that really want to learn a little bit more about what we have to offer. So we create programming and exhibits with, with children and students like that. And um, Yeah, it's, it's an important part of our community. It's an important part of our message. We talk a lot about being part of the solution and to give back is, is a, a very valuable component to what we talk about as healthy community. And uh, we certainly can offer your website. Go ahead, um, Mark, uh, Evan. Yeah, it's theecologycenter.org. And there's a ton of resources, whether they're videos from our workshops or our speaker series or upcoming events. And like you said, our Green Feast is a very special evening for us, and it is uh, this Saturday, the 8th of September. And it Let's is talk sold about out. that. Even though it's sold out, it's an institution that's your fourth annual, so uh, people can put it, if they don't get off the waiting list, on onto the actual yes. attendees. Let's talk about what it is so they can put on their calendar for next year and, uh, you know, get everybody salivating well, we right now. we talked a little bit about where our food comes from, and I right. think this is the extreme sort of hyper-focus <laughs> experience around local food so we team up with at this point about 20 celebrated chefs throughout the county and we we pair them with local organic farmers ranchers winemakers cheesemakers um fishermen etc everything on the table everything on the meal comes from within 200 miles or less from the ecology center so that's what we call our food shed so we 250 people sit down in our gardens family farm style and experience what local food means and it's really a storytelling it's not just um, it's not it's a fundraiser for us which supports our garden programming called grow your own which builds organic gardens in local schools but it's really about food literacy and understand and making the connections between where our food comes from and who's actually um, who's the face of where our food comes from and so that's an opportunity for all of our guests to interact with farmers and fishermen etc and um, it's pretty phenomenal. Again, this is our fourth year. We've sold out every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it is becoming an institution, and that feels really good. This Last year, we started something new called the Eco App. Off. That's what I was just going to ask you about. Go tell us so what that's about. It, it's a sustainable appetizer competition. So <laughs> for the main course of the dinner, we really we, we choose very closely those chefs, and so there's only a few slots. But we have such an amazing culinary community in Orange County. We really want to engage more of the, the chefs around connecting to our community, but also connecting to local food movement. So this, I really feel, is an inspiration. Not only it goes both ways. So we connect them with local resources and meet, team them up with local farmers. And then those, there's actually 12 chefs this year for the Eco App Off that then present one appetizer teamed up with that fisherman or farmer 
and are in competition with the other 11 chefs. So it's it's fun, and the winner is is definitely um, it's definitely a, a lot of pride that comes with with winning the Eco App Off. It, it is a simple kind of little competition, but it's it is pretty neat and and it seemed to build a lot of camaraderie within the culinary community. And the winner of the chef, if they're so inclined, get to take on the main course for the Green Feast the following year. Okay. Oh, oh that must be a, a central honor. And um, the other another lovely feature for us to imagine, and it's so retro, I love it. It's this 200-foot-long communal table setting. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, it's, there's nothing really like sitting with... Uh, however many 200 of your closest friends and it really does feel that way and it's right there it's at the um at the center right there at, at that lovely house yeah that you've so already just described the north side of the house in between the house and our educational learning landscape which we call our eco labs yes where green feast happens so it's actually turned into two tables now so two tables with 120 people a piece Oh, it, it just sounds divine. So I, I think, you know, there's probably always going to be a few unclaimed tickets. So I think it's mm-hmm. worth, if you know, if there's everything compelling about the setting to wait and look for a, a, a ticket to fall out of the sky. And Absolutely. So Send on the, over to the guest list and or to the waiting list, and yes. we'll try to put you on the list. Excellent, excellent. And so, um, again, for those uh, who've just joined us, you're uh, listening to my guest, Jan Spencer, a permaculture activist. I'm sorry, love. What am I doing here? I'm, we're talking to to Evan Marks, founder and executive director of the Ecology Center here. And um, besides the the feast of which you speak, there will also be uh, some workshops that are already regularly scheduled. If you want to give us um, a little bit of information about that, and we'll you know we'll re- again refer to the website too. You know, upcoming on our calendar is the launch of our Grow Your Own School Garden program. So we, this, we're taking the four participating local schools on a bus tour at the end of September, so all the teachers and principals and supporting staff will bring them around the county to inspire them on some other successful garden programs mm-hmm. in other local schools because our task this year is to build four thriving gardens in these schools. So that's, that's something that we're really looking forward to this fall. Also coming up in October, which is right around the corner, is what we call Ecotoberfest. Uh-huh. So we do a beer tasting event with a local brewery, and we do a beer making workshop as well. That sounds like something for me. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yes. Um, you know, Evan uh, Dagmar has her um, German radio, so this may be a, you might want to plug in with her later. Right. T- talk in, uh, informally amongst yourselves and uh, then work out maybe there's something thematic or maybe she can... Uh, I don't know about DJ this, but do do some kind of a feed over there or a feedback to her through her show or something that like that. That would be a lot of fun. So uh, if if we're doing craft beers, we'll do craft radio with it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Last year we uh, we hosted New Belgium Brewing, um, oh, awesome. and we and Ryan Wilson also from Side Door and Five Crowns. He cooked up some German pretzels in our earth oven. Oh, it was that sounds delicious. <laughs> I wish I was there. Maybe I'll I'll have to come this year. Line up. Well, and <laughs> I just want to make sure Dagmar has a chance to uh, bring up some other some of her other questions. Or sure. you you let me know, Dagmar, if there's something not now in a, in a GIF. Oh well, actually, I I just wanted to say I I did take a look at your website and um, had looked at some of the the previous workshops, and I'm somebody that is definitely a, a learning by doing kind of person, right. and. It looked like uh, you guys had a lot of really interesting things. I mean, the the composting with worms, that sounded fun because mm-hmm. when else do you get to play with some worms? Mm-hmm. And uh, and also um, the the solar ovens workshop. I was like, oh, I just missed that because it's it's so hot right now. Every time I turn on, you know, my stove, it just heats up my apartment and it's terrible. And it would be great to just be able to go outside with my little contraption. And, and cook something. So. Yeah, we love we love teaching workshops here, and we do a couple a month, and it's our backyard skills series. So it is really, truly tangible sustainability. So both of those workshops that you just mentioned are good examples of that. And we have a partnership that we're very proud of with the Center for Living Peace, which I'm sure you guys are also close with right, right. across and the we've, from you. We've had her on, and uh, we, we try to get her on again. So it's it's all the local enterprises making the most of every opportunity. Absolutely. They've got a wonderful thing going on there, and we teach a workshop, a backyard skills workshop, the first Saturday of every month. 
Excellent. So, yeah. Well, you know, then another item on the website, you take up a proposition, Proposition 37. I'm going to be doing a lot of ballot and electioneering coverage leading up to November. And so why don't you make uh, the first foray into uh, what's going to be on the ballot with Proposition 37, if you'd like to say um yeah, you know, I met a couple of wonderful gentlemen that are leading that charge a couple of weeks ago, and it's a, it's a very important opportunity for us as, as community citizens to say that we care about our food. And um, I guess the, you know, what would be the, the reason for not labeling GMOs? So I guess if it's, so, if it's not harmful to us, then why can't we just label it? Um, so that's, I guess, my comment. So I would definitely recommend and encourage everyone to vote yes on Prop 37. And why not join Europe and other countries who have already sort of, uh, codified this kind of a, a measure in their own marketplaces? Absolutely. I think that food, just like water, and you know, those are kind of the core basic needs for human civilization. And if we lose the right to support ourselves in our own basic needs, then we've lost our freedom. And... Um, we lose our freedom, then, then we have uh, a waning future. And to, have a, to think that there's just a few corporations that um, would, would own that, those rights to those basic needs, is, is quite a compromise to uh, human civilization. So Prop 37, I think, is, is a move in the right direction to look at what food means and uh, especially what some of these multinational corporations have intentions to do with our food supply and to, to wrangle the control of it. Okay. So um, I want to thank you, uh, Evan Marks, for uh, being on Ask a Leader today. I, um, again, the website is theecologycenter.org. Now, there's an, there is a website, Ecology Center, and that brings you to Berkeley, and they're, they're sympathetic uh, enterprises. But just to make sure people don't end up in the middle of downtown Berkeley, they're mm-hmm. in, in uh, more suburban San Juan Capistrano. So Ecology Center. Uh, excuse me, theecologycenter.org. And I, I wish you uh, well in uh, your yields at the feast this Saturday, because it's also, it is a fundraiser. You're going to make some money off of this to help sustain your, your whole it, it enterprise. It is a, the annual fundraiser that supports many of our programming, yes. Okay. So uh, then you can find out information on the website, folks, for the, about the tickets and how to get on the waiting list and all that kind of a thing. So anyway, as I said, good luck with the yields at the feast, with the uh, building the center's memberships and the profile. And uh, thanks so much for being on Ask a Leader today. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Hope to see you guys down at the Ecology Center. Amen. Too. You got it. All right. Take care. Uh, Dagmar, Dogmar, do you have anything more? Oh, just just I, to sign yeah, them off? Uh, hoping to see you at the uh, Ecotoberfest. All right. Wonderful. Take care. Okay. Thank you. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to turn this show over in short order to George Rosales with George Had a Hat. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. And I I want you to think of George Rosales this time since uh, given the uh, media events uh, of last week, whether George will be talking to a bar stool in his studio, a program today. We're all going to place our bets. So meanwhile, I want to thank you all for joining us. We are going to go into a great deal of all kinds of electioneering programming uh, leading up into November, as I promised. And I um, uh, will look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for joining us.